This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. The Bloomington, Indiana Police Department began an embedded police social worker program, the PSW, in 2019, funded by the department budget. The program started with one police social worker and has grown to three full-time PSWs. Many police agencies have seen the benefits of having PSWs on staff as it can decrease call volume, and increase law enforcement effectiveness when dealing with subjects experiencing mental illness. During a session of the 129th International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference, the Bloomington Police Department Chief of Police Michael Dekoff and Senior Social Worker Melissa Stone, MSW, LSW, they detailed these benefits through data and case studies that span the program's history. They also discussed the additional benefits of embedded PSW positions, such as improving officer wellness. Well, we'll talk about so many different types of mental health outreach programs currently in operation in the U.S. Bloomington decided to go with a fully embedded model for several reasons, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, I'd like to welcome to Policing Matters, Melissa Stone, a senior police social worker. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Thanks for taking the time. So you talked a little bit uh, offline about how the program got started uh, 2014-ish. Tell us about that. Yeah, so back in 2014-15, there was beginning to be more of a homeless crisis here in Bloomington, Indiana. A lot of people come to Bloomington for services because we have a lot of services here in our city. So they decided, BPD decided at the the time to implement a downtown resource officer or DRO program and that included sworn officers who instead of wearing their typical uniform wore BDU pants and white polos and they responded to calls related to homelessness and built rapport and kind of built relationships with that population. So that program started in 2014 or 15 and then they wanted to expand not only our reach with homelessness but other mental health calls that they're getting a lot and a lot of repeat callers, um, aging and elderly, serious mental illness, all of that. So they decided in 2019 to add a social worker and I started in 2019. Um, So the program has been going for about four years now. Yeah. So how were you recruited or how'd you apply for the job? Yes, surprisingly, actually, um, my background, I loved, I've always loved working with the criminal justice social work perspective together. I've had internships at prisons and work release. Um, I was working with students um, experiencing sexual assault, domestic violence, 
right before I came here. So I wasn't really looking for a job, um, but my sister saw the posting on social media actually and said, this is perfect for you. This is everything you like in one. So I applied and here I am. <laughs> it, really, it was really unexpected for sure. Yeah, that's great. So I, I'm reading some of the background. It looked like the agency was facing an officer shortage, just like we are nationwide. So they wanted mm -hmm. to try an alternative to deal with the mental health crisis, ultimately to free up police officers. So you are um, an added layer of support. Maybe calls get uh, resolved. If not quickly, then at least those sort of chronic repeat calls get addressed by what you do and what you say. What was the transition like in the learning curve in going from civilian practice to a police practice? Yeah, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I had done some internships um, working in prisons and whatnot. So I was like, maybe police officers are like correctional officers. And that just means I have to win them all over. Like it's a slow process, but you can do it. I've done it before. Um, so when I got here, it really was learning how officers actually work. I mean, everybody kind of has an idea, I think, of what that looks like, but you don't really know until you've spent time with them. So I spent a couple of months on every shift doing ride-alongs um, with detectives and while they were doing what they do and really just try to get a full picture of what it actually looks like to be in law enforcement. And I think that was super helpful in that transition to try to see where I would actually be helpful. I didn't want to come in being like, here's how I can help you. I wanted to know how I might fit into what they're already doing. And so the idea of having a full-time social worker, I mean, it, it pays off in, in certainly those homeless situations. Do you find yourself in other situations where you're asked to step in, maybe one that you weren't designed for, say in a domestic violence call or something involving children? Are you stepping in on those as well? Yeah, so the whole when we first started this program they thought i would be with the dro's with the homeless outreach teams all the time but what i found out quickly actually is that those officers are really good like quasi social workers already because they get to build relationships with community partners and whatnot so i actually decided my time was better utilized by those calls that general patrol gets involved with so um, serious adults with serious mental illness, aging and elderly, which I did not expect when I got here. And that's not my background, but they've become like my favorite people over time. Um, and then juvenile calls, we get a lot of those as well. Um, so we actually do get called in for a lot of things that um, are more outside of that scope of homelessness. And we've kind of found that's where we're more needed as well. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the benefits are, is that you're embedded, you're there when they get there. So there's no delay in identifying a situation and saying, hey, we've got to call a social worker. And now there's, you know, lead time involved and you might be working on something else. And, you know, instead of one of these referrals where they come back, you know, maybe a couple of days later, you are right there on the spot. What were your yeah. initial challenges um, in being right there on the spot when it happened real time? Yeah, I think it was a big learning curve for everybody, officers and myself, about what do the logistics look like when we're actually on scene together? Like, do you start? Do I start? Um, 
when do I back up? When do you want me? Um, so it, it was working a lot with what does that look like? What does that feel like when you're actually on scene? And of course, there's no, this is how it works every time because that's just not how it works. But uh, I think because they know me now, I know them, we kind of have a much better understanding of what it looks like on a scene and it's less clunky, but that was a big one. And then another challenge I think was just what is a social worker? I think there's a lot of misconceptions, even with non-law enforcement, about what a social worker actually does. So having conversations like, oh yeah, I can do therapy. I'm a therapist. Um, or, hey, do, do you think you can help them with this? Like, yeah, I can help with all of that. So really just trying to put out some education about what is a social worker and how can I be helpful was also a big uh, milestone, I guess. Mm-hmm. And did you ever have um, multidisciplinary meetings where you could talk with other agencies in the city, like to arrange housing or support or, um, you know, help for domestic violence or child abuse? Yes. So we have regular, uh, regular meetings, I would say, I don't, I can't even tell you 10, 12 times a month. I'm on so many different committees at this point with those community partners to try to solve some of these things that we're experiencing and our clients that are using a lot of different services so we can kind of case manage that. So we are very fortunate. We have great relationships with our community partners to try to make sure we're getting people what they need. Great. So it sounds like policies pretty well thought out, or at least you're, you're filling the gaps along the way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we kind of had an idea when we started, but we've really changed it as we saw, as we saw the needs um, for what could actually be most beneficial for officers, for the community. Um, So it's just been kind of uh, making sure we're not like stuck in some kind of, this is how it needs to be, because I think it's very fluid. Yeah. So first roll call, chief calls you in and there's 20 officers sitting there at roll call and he's talking about the new program. Melissa Stone walks in and there's groans or there's <laughs> applause. Which was it? Um, I would say it's in the middle. Um, however, I have been very fortunate. I don't feel like every social worker that I've worked with has been this fortunate in this field, but I was very fortunate. Officers at least gave me a chance. And if they didn't like it, they didn't say it to my face and they would still work with me well. So that was always good. I had very, very few problems when I started here. Um, I think really what it was more about is just the change factor. (laughs) Nobody really likes change. But once you get used to that process, I think it's been really helpful. And I just started showing them, oh, by the way, you don't hear from so-and-so anymore, do you? So like your actions speak loudly. And over time, that just develops into a really good overall relationship. Yeah. So how'd you build the trust just by doing your job and making their job easier ultimately? Definitely doing the job and just trying to prove it that way. But also I was very intentional about going we have three shifts. So going to the first roll call, going to third shift roll call, second's easy. I'm already here, but the other ones like that's intentional to get here. And just to, so they can see who I am, see that I do care. Um, I spent a lot of time with ride alongs, um, trying to build that rapport as well. 
And then I would just show up at other random things that the department had, like award ceremonies, even though I was really new and didn't know exactly what was happening. Um, and officers get really into their own thing. Somebody's really into cycling. So there's a big cycling event. I went to it. I don't even cycle, but I mean, I showed up there and like building that, doing those things helped build rapport as well as their people, not just coworkers. So. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Sounds like you're <clears throat> endearing yourself to everybody. Um, <laughs> and then when you walk up with an officer or two officers, maybe there's a homeless encampment and uh, there's that initial resistance and then they see someone who maybe, you know, they notice you're not wearing a gun. What's the, what's been the reaction from that perspective? Yeah, at first it really was, we had to explain to people, by the way, we're social workers. We don't, we can't arrest you. I don't have a gun. I don't need a gun, like kind of joke around about it. And that's usually been good to build rapport with people. Now people are used to us. Um, so that that's way better. But at the beginning, it it definitely took time to say, hey, we're social workers, not officers. But you can sometimes literally physically see kind of like, oh, OK, we're going to take this down a notch then. Like they can't arrest me. Um, and I think that has been helpful over time. I mean, sometimes you still need an officer to do things. I will always be the first person to say that. But I think it's been helpful in certain occasions to have somebody who's just, who doesn't have all the, the rules to follow. Right, right. And I mean, if you, you know, to use a parlance, if you walk up with the officers, they see the carrot and the stick. I mean, yeah, uh, they see the benefit of talking to you and maybe getting some resources attended to, to their needs. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes officers are like super, I mean, most of the time they're super willing to be like, you do what you do. And if you need me, you let me know. But otherwise, I'm just going to stay back here and you do I'll your thing. Right here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I want to get into some of your successes, but first I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. And we're back and I'm speaking with Melissa Stone, senior police social worker at the Bloomington, Indiana Police Department. And we're talking about the embedded police social worker program. Sounds like a success. My editor, Nancy Perry, listened to your presentation at IACP. You talked about some of the successes. Tell us a story. Tell us a couple of success stories. Yeah, I and I have so much random data and numbers if anybody's ever a numbers person, which I know a lot of people are these days for funding reasons. But I do love the actual stories too. And one benefit I think to having us embedded is that we don't have to care about somebody's insurance. We don't have to care what their diagnoses are or what they're not. And we can really just help people wherever they are. 
So for instance, I had a referral from an officer because somebody was about to be evicted from their apartment and they needed another one. And when I got there, I find out, oh, she's also blind. She can't see. And she has this five pound, like little min pin, like the cutest little dog ever. And I love dogs. So I noticed this little dog has a cast on its paw, its leg. And I was like, so what happened to the dog? Is everything okay? And she said, well, broke its leg. I actually am supposed to take it every week to go get its cash changed. I don't know how I'm going to do that because I can't drive and I don't have anybody to take this dog. So myself and actually one of the DROs who also loves animals, we split up the next few weeks and we would take that dog every Monday to get its cast changed. I also got a new place for her. So she wasn't, she never ended up homeless, but we also got to help her dog. And I can tell you from previous experience that insurance would not typically pay a social worker to help with somebody's dog. So it was one of those double like wins where having this position truly um, got to help somebody where they are. Yeah, for sure. And here in San Francisco, a lot of shelters would not accept uh, the dog uh, as yes. well. Yep. So, we do yeah, we have that problem. A, yeah, yeah, that was a triple win. Yeah. What else? Tell, tell us another one. Yeah, so I worked with a, with a client with serious mental illness, um, bipolar disorder. Uh, she was also not having good relationships with her family. However, she was Hispanic Latino and there are a lot of social norms around family. So working with them to work to kind of identify the problems that they were having within the family, but also educating them on bipolar disorder. Well, it happens to be sometimes in that culture, but especially, especially in their family that they didn't really believe in mental illness. So I really had to kind of come alongside that, that um, client and advocate for her within her family. We did end up having to get her hospitalized, but once we were able to get her hospitalized and back on meds, we got her back into treatment and we were able to start then building up those family relationships again. And it's so great because now I just hear from her every once in a while and she just tells me how great she does. Like I haven't talked to her about a problem in probably over two years. She'll just say, oh, by the way, things are going really well, which as a social worker, kind of like law enforcement, you don't always hear when things are going well. So that's always really great. So um, being able to advocate for clients, even within their own family systems while getting them help, um, I think has been really beneficial as well. Yeah, that's great. So you had some training when you started the program mm -hmm. to, to work with the police. In training, we, of, we often talk about demystifying policing, right? Like the general public has a lot of misconceptions and we don't do a great job in telling them how things work. What was your big aha moment in training where you said, oh, that's what they do or that's why they do that? You think of yeah, one? well, something that really sticks out to me is you always hear people saying officers can't de-escalate. Like they... They need mental health people to help de-escalate mental health situations. And I was on scene actually one time with a police officer listening to him try to de-escalate this man who was mentally ill. He was going through psychosis, but it was actually illness related. And he was saying stuff that I was like, why, 
then I think of that. <laughs> what? Like, I just, they, he saw it just the same way I did. And he took a different approach. And I was sitting there thinking, and I remember it distinctly being like, well, I didn't even think of that. So here we are, like, we make a good team. But I think those are the types of things that um, you get here, this, the media hears. And in reality, I mean, officers are some of the best de-escalators that I've ever seen. So I think just being able to see how they work every day really brings in, oh, this, is, this isn't quite what is portrayed. And I spend time now trying to explain that to community partners um, in my off time to city council, whatever I need to do to like help support our officers because people just don't see it. Um, and I think they should, so. Yeah, that's a great compliment. And yeah, we of course advocate for city leaders and sworn elected officials to do a ride along and actually yeah. see before, you know, the criticism. Yep. And uh, I don't think that's done enough. That's great. That's great insight that you've seen this, the skills from the yeah. officers. And it's great that you're, you're an added uh, dimension in those situations. So what is your walk away thought about policing different than before you started working with them? What are you telling your friends now? You know, you guys don't get it. It's like this. You must be really <laughs> popular at, at cocktail parties. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, I, I get to tell some great stories now for sure. Um, but I think the biggest thing I take away is I can see now why officers, I mean, they can just like all the rest of us, I mean, we can get really frustrated by working with the same people over and over and over again, plus the added benefit or the added hurt that the stuff officers are seeing every day, like all the death scenes. And I was surprised to see how many death scenes were on on a daily basis. Like all of those things can really affect the way you are as a person and the way you interact with other people. So I think that's something I like to talk about sometimes is, well, this job um, and officers in particular, like I've never seen such a traumatic job. <laughs> it's just constant. Um, and I think bringing that human side to other people is really important because I think people just see officers as kind of like machines almost um, versus actual people. And I'm like, it's just um, a lot of trauma and a lot of stuff every day and making sure that um, we we give them the benefit of the doubt with some of that has been really important for me. Yeah. So that's an extra added benefit of the program that you're yeah sitting up front or maybe in the back seat if there's two officers and uh, you can talk about something traumatic that you just saw. Yeah. I think, I think oftentimes, you know, police officers will take what they just saw and just shut it, try to push it down, push it away. Mm -hmm. But if, if someone like you is there to talk about what they, what just happened, you yeah. know, sometimes we revert to, um, you know, humor and just sort of discount what happened, but yeah, great yeah. to have somebody like you with, with the skills that you have. Yeah. I think that is a big benefit. And 
just being in the hallway and being around and they're used to us being like the cheesy corny ones now I'll just go and be like all right we're gonna talk about this you know I'm gonna ask you and I'm like and you have to say more than I'm good you have to answer in six words or more and just stuff like that and like we have a relationship now where it's like people play along with it even if they're like oh my god Melissa um, but I think that's been super helpful and I think it's important for like the community to to think through that as well when they're thinking about police officers like this isn't an easy job and the work that they're doing every day can be extremely emotionally taxing and doing that day after day after day like sometimes you might have a really you might have an interaction with a police officer that's not perfect but that's the same as social workers that's the same as teachers or doctors um so making sure that we're still remembering that they're people above anything else yeah that's great so okay i want to be respectful of your time and let you go but first i wanted to ask you the last thing i want to ask is what advice would you have for a new agency or a, a fellow social worker um, going into this kind of position or starting this kind of a program maybe at another city in indiana what would be your your best advice uh before they get started I spend so much time working with other agencies to help them start their programs. It's like one of the best parts of my job. And some of the things I like to mention is the person you get for this first position makes or breaks a program, even though there's a lot of pressure on that. I know some social workers who just wouldn't fit in this, who wouldn't. And if you mess that up when you first start a program, then that's going to be hard sell down the road. Um, so making sure you're picking the right person for that. And then for new social workers who are new to the job, I just say, however, you can start building relationships with the police officers. That's what you need to do first. Community partners as well. That's important. You can't really do our work without making sure we have good community partners. But internally, what can you do to build those relationships with officers should be like first and foremost um, to make sure you have that, that solid foundation. That's great. That's great advice. So are you putting together a best practices manual or are you just going and speaking to these other agencies? I do have like annual reports, policies and all of that that I pretty much have that I hand out to all of these agencies. Um, a lot of departments do things a little bit differently, like no PSW program is the same. It feels like um, there's a lot of I really focus on this or I really do this. Um, so really figuring out what's best fit for that agency so then they can work around that. Um, but I do spend a lot of time making sure people are doing great data collection because I think that's a missing piece. We need to be proving that these um, are these programs are efficient and effective because they are because they are. Um, so making sure people have those skills and um, we do kind of get together. There's a group of us from Indiana. There's a group of us from nationwide who get together and talk about how can we move this type of social work forward. So there is a lot of work being done in that realm too. Yeah, nice. Yeah, data is important, especially when you're looking at funding and mm -hmm. continuing a program and you have goals and maybe identify those chronic uh, repeat callers for service that take you know hours and hours of of police time and now mm -hmm. you're making those i mean like we we talked about at the beginning sometimes 
those contacts take longer than initially, right? Because we would constantly just be running from call to call and put a Band-Aid yeah. on it and go yeah. away only to come back maybe even the same day, mm-hmm. a couple hours later, maybe, right? Yep. But yeah. um, what you do has long-term effects and eventually decreases those calls for service. Absolutely. We're trying to get people to not have to call in the first place. That's our goal. So the response is important, of course. Um, but we really want to work behind the scenes to make sure they don't even have to call. Nice. Hey, thanks so much, Melissa Stone, police social worker at Bloomington Police Department. Hey, thanks for taking time and telling us about what you're doing. And thanks for doing what you're doing. Uh, We can certainly use more people like you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This was great. Um, And thanks definitely for what you're doing and putting these types of programs out there for everybody. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, give us our regards to uh, Chief uh, Decoff, and uh, we'll be talking to you again real soon. We'll be watching the program and watching okay. your successes and watching it being duplicated, I hope. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right. To our listeners, hope you enjoyed listening to Melissa Stone today. It's a great program, one to keep an eye on. You know, the defunders. Uh, had a lot of ideas, but this is actually a good one where we can reduce calls for service on those chronic repeat callers, uh, whether they call or someone else calls because they're on the corner or in their doorway or doing whatever they're doing to to call that negative attention. So check it out. Uh, I'm going to put a link on the uh, show notes for you to check out more information. Hey, stay safe out there and hope to talk to you again real soon. Take good care. I'm Jim Dudley.